Hi there! This is the PowerPoint Tribe, where our vibe is faith and our food is the Word. Prepare to be strengthened and encouraged through the teachings of God's Word and the ministry of the Spirit. And we started with the life of my love, and then we moved to slaying sex lies. And what was last week's own? Ten archetypes, best practices. Amazing. Praise God. So does anyone just want to say what they've learned in the last few series? Someone's already smiling. So I'm probably just going to call her. Just two people. Just feedback. You know, we'll be sharing on our status. We're having amazing feedback. So we just want to hear from the house. You know, one or two things. Salah, you're smiling. <laughs> Please appreciate her. She... Tasha Redwood, just two minutes. Sorry. Good morning, church. So I wasn't around for the first uh, lesson, but um, last week I learned some um, archetype, archetype types, or archetypes rather. Um, I learned about the victim, the people who don't go past, oh, this is the situation that's around me, so I wouldn't do anything past. People like Nebuchadnezzar, not the victim, Nebuchadnezzar was, I think, the boastful, yeah, the tyrant. So, um, basically, I, I'm nervous, so I might say nonsense, but I understand it in my head, sure. <laughs> so, um, basically, I, I learned that love is the fulfillment of the law. Like what Paul said, um, you don't force love. What we can do is um, learn to give love, learn to listen, learn to glean to God's word. Like I said, I'm nervous, so I'm saying nonsense. But... Um, I, I've learned quite a lot, but hopefully let me go and look at what I crammed and then I'll bring you back. <laughs> Praise the Lord. Amazing. Thank you so much. Anyone else? Thank you. Anyone else? I want a guy this time. I want a man. Praise God. Any volunteers? Husband man. Husband man is still going to talk, so let's leave husband man for now. Anyone? There you go, please. Please appreciate him till he reached here. That's my Chichi member. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Thank you. Hi, everyone. You can't try it to you. I'm not shy. I like spotlight. <laughs> okay, so. Um, I'm just going to piggyback to last week's on this one. Um, it was not much word, 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 but it was the word, 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 word. For the first time, right, throughout the entire week, for the I'm not, pastor, your word is, you know, but you know, sometimes when we hear on Monday and on Sunday, we're very excited, then Sunday evening, we're still excited, then Monday, Tuesday, uh, then we come back on Thursday, we are up, then, but this particular one, Every day of the week, I kept saying, regulate, 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 regulate. Oh, the call. Nah, don't, don't be empty and come on, don't be glue. But it's been amazing. I think we need more. We actually do need more. So that's not beef. So it's like, as Pastor said, if you choose the wrong partner, you are worse than Osama bin Laden. 
You're worse than Vladimir Putin in Russia and Ukraine right now. You're worse than him. Like, literally worse. Because as, um, I can't remember his symbol, my superhero said this morning, it's a battle of seeds. That's how it all started. From the beginning of time till now, if it is wrong at that basic level, every other thing will be wrong. So relationship, love, life, we need more. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. Let's give a round of applause. That was amazing. I'll just run through a bit. You know, Pastor spoke about the life of my love, meaning one of the prerequisites for you to know that you are ready to get married is that you can identify the quality of life in the person that you want to marry. Because what happens is that you are... The standard of that person's life is what becomes yours because you are joined to the person. So if the person is, in quotes, a great person, you kind of just identify and then you match up. But then when the person is low, and by low, we really just mean if you have the life of Christ in you, you kind of match up. I mean, people have seen people that dated unbelievers and they said, I'll change him, I'll change him, I'll change her. What happens is that you don't change nothing. You come down to the, the person is suddenly so much more powerful than you are, than you that has the life of Christ. So you can't joke with those things. A pastor spoke about how marriage is really not for the married, but for the carried. And he spoke about, you know, the place of premarital sex in a relationship, how that you are just, it's a bedrock for irresponsibility. And then we move to what? Sexling sex lies, where he spoke about destroyed sexual compatibility. Destroyed, uh, if I don't live with him, you know, he will leave me. Destroyed, cohabiting, just spoke a lot. And then we moved to last week, which was so practical that Lacon had to use it in his week. And I'm sure a lot of us did. So let's just appreciate Pastor for such a word. Praise God. Woo! Thank you, thank you. <laughs> thank you, Pastor. God bless you. Um, so today, really what we're doing today, the bomb talk. We know what the bomb is, right? Some people don't know. Uh, you should know. The bone, one The bone of my bone. And really why we're doing this talk is that we know people have questions. We've gone through a lot and people have questions that need to be answered. And because of the demography of the church, most of us are single slash unmarried. Unmarried, let me, let me not say single, let me not sob anybody. <laughs> we are unmarried. And luckily for us, we have people in the tribe that have been married. And you know, we spoke about the place of mentors, that we can learn wisdom. We don't have to learn from our own mistakes. We can learn from the wisdom of mentors. And that's why today we have four amazing couples in the house. Give a round of applause. We have the Oguntundes. We have the Bolajis, we have the Peace Bamidele, and we have the Nonso Orgies. Amazing. So I'm just going to be taking a seat. How do I reach here? Okay. All right. Thank you very much. You did not clap for me as I was sitting there. Thank you. Um, so we're just going to be asking them some questions. And please, as they are answering, if you have any questions, please just write them down. Um, the ushers will be going around with the baskets and we can put our questions. Because after this, we're going to have the opportunity to speak to, to ask pastor questions. So are we ready? Are we ready? Yes. So. 
First, we have Pastor Peace. Um, by the way, Pastor Peace's wife is with him right now because she has answered the question, so she's just going to download it. Um, so the first question is, what do you consider to be the most essential part of your courtship, and how has it helped your marriage? It would be nice to um, explain what courtship is so people can really understand the answer. But I'll take it again. What do you consider to be the most essential part of your courtship, and how has it helped in your marriage? Thank you. So we all have like five God, minutes to answer. To God. Good morning, church. Uh, it's such a privilege to be doing this. Um, I bring you greetings from my wife, who is right now in the USA, studying her master's, uh, master's degree. I haven't seen her for about seven months now. Uh, and so what I'm sharing with you, I'll be sharing from a deep place. <laughs> from a very deep place. And um, she, she's, al she's also answered the question, like um, Director Victoria said, and I will just also give perspective to um, to, to the question myself as well. So what do you consider to be the most essential part of your courtship and how has it helped in your marriage? Uh, I like the fact that the, the term there is courtship and not dating. Okay, because um, there's a tendency to misconstrue the concept of dating uh, and courtship. Okay, once you get close to somebody, you're already in courtship. Uh, dating is a, a misconception that the world has created to accommodate their weaknesses to accommodate their dysfunctions. That's what I believe. So uh, if, you are, if you are journeying towards marriage, you are in courtship. And um, let me just read what my wife said here first in, re in response to this question. And then I, I aggregate the thoughts. She said, taking the courtship, and so this is direct answer now, taking the courtship as seriously as a marriage. That's the most essential part of what um, we learned. That's what she learned. It was like being married before being married. Humility, honesty, vulnerability, love, and commitment were things we displayed. We didn't wait till we got in. We kept learning and unlearning and relearning. And this is what we have continued to do in our marriage that has helped us thus far. And I believe this is very important and something that really helped us as, as a couple. still helping us right now. Because if you enter a courtship with the mindset of dating, you wouldn't want to go so far. You want to commit yourself. All the principles... Uh, in Bible, and, and I think Pastor has preached about this before. Joseph and Mary, they weren't married, courtship, but the instruction to Mary was you have to be submissive to Joseph. And I mean, the way Mary took that uh, responsibility, took that command, and was uh, submissive to jo Joseph, not, I mean, they hadn't gotten married, they were just basically just still dating in that context. So if you are going into, and that's why the it's very important that uh, you get to. Um, be ready for marriage before you court, before you date in that context, okay? And personally, I've also made these mistakes as a young boy, University of Lagos, you want to try different girls, you want to date, you want to flanger, but those things, <laughs> you, want to find, you see a fine girl, you want to run after, no, okay? You get into a relationship with marriage in mind. That's, that's the, and so when you do that, one thing it does for you is that you bond faster, you born faster because if you are dating, it's just about the going out, going out to on dates. That's why you call dates. You know, you go out on dates because you are dating. You go out and all of that. But if you have the mind, mindset of marriage, and for us, this was what he did for us. I mean, right now, I have not seen her for seven months. So what, what, what happened in that period of courtship was a, an intense form of bonding. 
And I want to explain what that bonding means. Bonding should start from the inside out. Okay? So you have to progress with bonding from your spirit to your mind to your body. So as you journey from courtship to marriage, you start bonding from your spirit. So what did we do? We started praying a lot. Uh, thankfully, all the girls have ever dated. You have to pray. You have to read Proverbs. We have to read books together. It was that's something I picked up. And so you don't start by bonding from the with your body. And this is a misconception. Bonding with with your bodies is something is a progression that ends in marriage. Something that is only within the boundaries of marriage. So you start you bond. You start talking. You bond intellectually. You bond spiritually first. So it's it's from the inside out. So we started bonding a lot of. Um, we attended seminars together. So I remember. The day that actually um, I got to see that this is my girl was when she came for a Pastor Daly's ministration in Ozi. I mean, we were already here, and then it was announced that Pastor Daly was going to be ministering at Ozi. And she showed up. I said, this woman is mine. For you to, I mean, because we've had, we've had a, uh, that was still at Cedars. Then we've had a, a, a Sunday service in the morning at Cedars, and then we're going to have um, that uh, in the evening. And then it's not... Very common to just say, ah, I'm going to come in the evening again. Not so many people do that. But that shows that, oh, this is somebody that prioritizes spiritual things. And so when Pastor talked about going to your hollow places together, places that you hallow, rather, hallowed places, places that you respect, places that you regard. So when you see somebody agreeing to do those kind of things with you, you know that you are bonding. You, have, you are checking for the values. So for us, it was bonding in the spirit. Now, I have not seen, we have not gotten any, we have not gotten physically intimate for seven months. So what is sustaining that? There's another bonding that is beyond physical bonding. And that is what is helping us now, helping us go through the challenges and difficulties, even as we look forward to reuniting. God bless you. Amazing. Please give me a round of applause. Thank you so much. So basically, go for that evening service. <laughs> okay, thank you so much, sir. Um, so we'll be moving to the Nosso Orgies. I hope we're having a great time so far. This question, <laughs> it was con concocted for them. Um, what role did prayer play in making sure... <laughs> what role did prayer play in making, sure, in making you sure about your choice of a life partner? And how does a single person seek conviction, especially when attraction has been established? Praise God. Hallelujah. Mm -hmm. That question is long. Amen. Okay. Let me read it from my end. So, you know, this morning I, I was just thinking, married for 19 months and a few days now. It's long ago. <laughs> Very long. You know, um, growing up, uh, I, I, I read lots, especially statistics, and one of the few things I set out to correct or not be a victim of personal abuse. You know, there's this statistic that says a certain percentage of marriage breaks up in the next uh, five months, six months. You get just the same way 50% of startups are doomed to fail. You get so many statistics like that flying around. And uh, while I was in university, I was listening to Bishop Oedipo. And Bishop Oedipo said, while he was doing marriage counseling, uh, the counselor was telling him that, you know, you and your wife, we have problems. And you know, if you have listened to Bishop Oedipo very well, he said, I will not have problem. Man said, I know, but he said, I will not have problem. 
So Bishop now said, am I matching your leg now? He said, no, I'm not stepping on you. He said, if I step on your leg, is it that I'm stupid or I'm wicked? You get, so what, what I got from there is that there's a high level of deliberateness in marriage. Very high level of deliberateness. You see, and Pastor Samadiyemi will always say, if things are working, it's because some persons are causing it to work. And so when we were, when I approached my wife then and everything, I knew that for this thing to work, we have to be very deliberate. And I also know we needed help. You get. And um, God has made me aware a long time ago that you don't know the amount of aversion, prayerfulness cause until you don't pray. You get. So, so it's better for me to pray and not experience it than for me to remain prayerless and express them. I'm now looking for solutions. So one of the things we started doing from then till now, every first three days of the month, since she said yes, which was August 24, 2017. <laughs> get, we started fasting from the next month, every first three days of the month, and we were praying every day. So while she was in Abuja, I was in Lagos, first three days is a no-brainer. Nobody eats. Everybody fasts. And you don't just pray and fast. You get, you get God's word. Because I learned early that God is more committed to what he told you than what you just concord yourself. So for example, you need to know the practical implication of if, for example, you were praying and God gave you Genesis 1-1, what is the practical implication of Genesis 1-1? context you get and my wife God speaks to her a lot through dreams so once she just come with one of those many dreams we don't joke with it you get we stay we pray and I'm serious we pray because the truth is this life you need help you really need help you don't know this life is tough tough you need help and you can get all those help from prayers I'll just put something in perspective we got married in August, eh? and uh, we lost my father-in-law in September. <laughs> I'm the only in-law you get, and she's the firstborn. And when that news came, we were coming from service. We got the news on our way. When I got home, my wife passed out in my front. Ha! Who will I call? You get that point, but... Somehow, somehow, you just start receiving strength for dangerous times. Why? Because you have sown seeds of prayers. And sometimes when we are praying, one of those days after our prayer time, I ask my wife, people that are not Christians, how do they do this? She asked me rather, how do they do this marriage? And honestly, sincerely, my answer that day was, I don't know. Because if we are praying and the devil is still trying this out, trust me, if you are not praying, you can't do marriage. That's my submission. Thank you. If you are not praying, you can't do marriage. That's so deep. That's so, thank you so much for sharing that. Um, next, we'll be moving to the Bolages. Please, <laughs> <And laughs> I hope you're writing your questions and you can drop them down because some really deep things are being dropped here. Um, how were you able to create boundaries with friends of the opposite sex while in a relationship? I'll take that again. How were you able to create boundaries with friends of the opposite sex while in a relationship? Praise God. Okay. Um, 
I'll start by I'll start by saying um the first thing is um, about communication now. Um know what you want to communicate about and limit your communications. I think Pastor Pastor mentioned some things about it in some of the series that he has talked about now. You're you're able to regulate the flow. You are cutting with somebody and um and you're still having hours of conversation with another person of the opposite sex. It's not done really. So you have to be able to um regulate the flow now. So um and you limit the number of things you are going to be talking about. There are some subject matters you don't talk with the opposite sex, really. So, um, okay, imagine the Garden of Eden now. In fact, um, Eve should not have responded. When um, did God say you should not? She shouldn't have responded. So, imagine that um, you're in a relationship and um, you are talking about um, some sexual matters with some other persons. Those are no-go area. Um, what What are your sexual expectations? What are... Don't I've I've had no I've had different stories really. Don't don't do it. No, don't even go into it. Okay, um probably your 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 what's it called now? Your experiences growing up when, when it comes to probably abuse or some of those things. Some of those things don't discuss them. So limit um how limit what you, what you converse about and then um, limit how long you converse about such things with with people like that. You can't be, like I said before, you can't be in a relationship with someone and you're having hours of conversation with some other person. No. It's not done. And um, I think I, I will say some other thing to um, take your stance now or let me say declare your status. There are people that, um, there are people that, they are, they are, the other person is seeing the other person as a friend but did not know that the other person is in a relationship. <laughs> so, because the person didn't tell him. So, um, if someone, if you've seen that, okay, this line of conversations now, or let me see this, these gestures now, they are beginning to tend towards a particular line. Okay, do you know I'm in a relationship, or do you know? Okay, I'm even, um, I'm even engaged. Some people don't know; they just say, "Well, you should know," or at least you see that I post. Some people know. Don't do that, really. So immediately, tell, take your stance. Tell them, okay, I'm in a relationship. Um, the person will be able to, so if the person keeps up with something like that, you know, okay, we are just friends. This person is a relationship. And um, I, I think Pastor mentioned something about this um, earlier, being, um, too. He was saying, don't, don't um, accept gifts that are, not, um, that are not in the level of your, there are, there are people that are in a relationship now, and um, I think this, I'm not trying to sub ladies now, but this goes mostly to ladies. They have particular people that are giving them gifts, like, on the norm, money, cash gifts, and all, and they are like, yeah, it's just a generous person. He's <laughs> not a generous person, really. It's hoping that he's going to probably change some things or lead to some other things. Don't, if you see that it's getting into um, probably some other things, try as much as possible to limit it. Thank you. Sorry, Mrs. Bam, do you want to say anything to add to that? Your husband has said it all. Amazing, that was good. You really just, this is practical. These are married people, so they are really, they are giving the meat of the matter. So stop. <laughs> Praise God. Um, so we're going to be moving to um, the, the <laughs> It's heavy in my mouth. <laughs> um, so how did you both resolve very serious conflicts in your relationship before marriage. 
um, LA is holding the mic already, so how did you both resolve very serious conflicts in your relationship before marriage? Can we hear me? Okay. Okay, good morning again. Um, okay, so how did we resolve conflict? What if there was no serious conflict? Okay, so how did we resolve conflict? Um, first thing I would say is communication. So we talk every day like a thing. So like we have to talk every day. Sometimes I wonder why people don't talk every day like they are busy. Hello. Okay. So we talk every day and when we have issues like, okay, of course you are bound to offend one another, right? It won't be a situation where, okay, because I'm angry at you, you call me and I won't pick your call. No. Or I'll send you because you don't know what will happen. It's like, you're, you're, uh, you know, there's this proverb, like when there's a crack in the wall, a lizard, can, is it lizard now? Okay. We shall get the idea. <laughs> Something and entered the world. Ahead. So that leads to crack. And now I'll say because, okay, because we are having issues now, because I'm angry at you, or you're angry with me, I'm calling you, and then you're not picking the call. Or because you don't even know what I want to say. And it's those moments, the devil is very, it's those moments that something will not happen that you need to communicate and you feel like, ah, that you've never apologized for what you did or something like that. So we always communicate and we, we had a rule that like 24 hours will not pass. In the last, how many years now? Since 2014, <laughs> thereabouts, since we really started um, our friendship and everything, not a day has passed without us talking, like, not a day has passed. So it is very important to communicate, like, express yourselves. And one thing is, um, what's the scripture now? A soft answer turns away wrath. So when you can't, like, two hot people, like, you can't be angry and I'm angry at the same time. Like, we'll be talking over our heads and nothing is, we're not going to be able to resolve it. So, as one person is hot, let another person be, be cold so that at least you can, because when you, when you, when I'm expressing myself, for instance, and I'm telling you what I don't like, and then you're saying, hey, you too, you did not, I did not, it, it begins to, like, we're not resolving anything, everybody's just angry, we're just throwing words at each other, and then you even get to say things that you don't mean. And then you realize, oh, I'm sorry, or I didn't mean to hurt you, blah, 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 and all of that. So, we always talk, and... Pastor is the kind of person that he wants to talk at that point. Like, if there's something that happens, let's trash it now. Yeah. Me, I need time. Let me think about it. Let me just, I want to be by myself. Like, don't even talk to me now. Like, let me just, because I feel like if I talk at that moment, my own reason, if I talk at that moment, I might say things out of anger or things I don't mean. I, and I really don't want to be disrespectful. I'm very respectful. Thank you very much. I really, <laughs> I really don't want to be disrespectful. I don't want to say things to hurt his feelings or maybe in the, in the process of me, I, I might even provoke him with all the things I'm saying. You get? So I just, I just want to stay calm. But he, he can't go ahead with his day. Like, his, the day is over. <laughs> he, can't, like, he can't be productive from that. I'm, and I'm just being serious. He can't be productive from that moment. So he needs it. Like, he needs this this thing to be okay so that hey, we can move on. I mean, I'm saying, please give me some time. I don't want to talk about it. So we meet somewhere in the middle. You give me some more time. <laughs> and then I allow you, you know, communicate and everything. And even the thing is, even if when he's talking, excuse me, when he's talking, when he's expressing himself, sometimes I might not even talk. Like, I'll just allow him because you are the one that wants to talk, right? So just go ahead and 
express yourself. And sometimes because of that, he just rather he might send a voice note or he just types. Very <laughs> typing, typing. <laughs> and when we see the long <laughs> we see the long message, that's because he knows <laughs> And that's because he I already understand that he's the kind, he's the expressive one. He wants to talk. I'm not ready. So rather than talking to me when I'm not even ready to process it, he sends a voice note. I see it, but I'm not listening to it yet. <laughs> but at least he has expressed himself, right? He has done his own bit. He's a bit calmer. I'm not listening to it, but I'm still processing. I'm trying to be ready to actually listen to it. And then I listen to it. And then it's even better that way because all the tension is, as, I mean, once someone says sorry, see, I'm sorry. The power in I'm sorry, like, it just, it just douses them, like, it's like a fire that is, and then you just pour one ice and everything just, like, goes down. So, once you're expressing yourself and I listen to it, I'm already in a better frame of mind to respond to that situation. So, I know what I'm saying. I've thought about it clearly. I, like, I understand it holistically now, so, okay, I can give a response, right? So, I think that is how we resolve conflicts. We talk about it. We already have boundaries. Okay, no day will pass without us talking. So even if we don't even resolve that day, at least we have spoken. I've heard your voice. You have, and someone that you love, that you're in love with. When you hear the voice, you're... <laughs> you get so... So yeah, that is how we resolve conflicts. Thank you. Amazing. Thank you, Ma. <laughs> I did to ask a question, but... <laughs> No. <laughs> um, <laughs> thank you so much, Mara. Moving on to the next question, I like this question because I'm a money person. So this question is sweet to me. Um, Pastor Peace, how would you suggest that a couple in courtship handle their finances before marriage? Oh, we should put Money, subject matter of money is very crucial, actually. And um, I like to say, I mean, once again, I acknowledge my wife, uh, who hopefully is listening or would listen later on. Uh, my wife did not date anyone before she met me. I was the first person she dated. And I think that really helped to uh, make her open up so easily. So she didn't have any prior experience to compare or judge. And me, I dated someone. Ah, I had any experience. <laughs> so uh, it, was, it was so easy for her, for her to open up and just... Even though it was difficult for her to finally uh, to immediately get there to say, okay, yes, I, I want to. It took, took about three months. I, mean, I wanted it sharp, sharp. Just join a come already. And uh, but by the time she did, she was really just open and was willing to help and, 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 and just commit to the relationship long term and just be there from, from the get-go. And um, I think that really helped in many instances. So with respect to finance, now it's very open, very important that you come clean from the start. I remember dating a girl that thought I was earning in the range of 200, 300K. Meanwhile, I was earning 50K. <laughs> and so our expectations were, ah, even though I was always looking clean, looking good, looking sharp. So, but I didn't say what I was earning. I didn't mention it. So she was always expecting gifts, going out, let's go on a date. I, I love spending this money and all that. <laughs> yeah. So until I told her, look, this is what... <laughs> so it's very sensitive. So when you... When you and that's why... You can't get to that point when you are still packaging, when you are still trying to form, okay? If that is the person you are going to get married to, they need to know where you are now, 
okay, in terms of finance, what declare, like they always say, just declare your assets, declare what you have, declare your status, declare this is what I'm earning, this is what, and then of course, then you now jointly progress from that. Now, in terms of, and this, this, this principles are applicable even in marriage, what, what, what I'm about to share uh, with respect to finance, and God, God has really helped us, um, I mean, in terms of our finance, and uh, continues to help us, and I think the first lesson we learned early is uh, your source. Your source. Who is your source? Uh, when you're in a relationship with somebody, your partner is not your source. That's one thing that you have to get clear. And thankfully, we, we, uh, we, I understood that. She also understood that. If you have a need, okay, you don't mention that need with the intention of the person solving it for you. That's not, even if they have the capacity, the financial capacity, I don't say, ah, I have, the, and then if you're always going to your partner with that, with that sense of entitlement, ah, because we're in a relationship, then automatically you should meet my need. Then you're in the wrong. That's not the starting point. Your source is God. Of course, you can discuss needs because you want them to know that this is what I'm going through. And that you, you, and you, you won't be, you won't put them in a box and you just, you, I mean, you know how ladies can be, you just you say it in a way. So that they know it's that, ah, so that you know because they are kind and generous, they will just do it. No. And that's why, ladies, you have to be very, um, you have to be very sensitive about this. When, when a guy senses that you're always coming after him for whenever you need anything, iPhone, all those things, it won't change my hair. Because you have the capacity, that you have the capacity, the financial capacity does not mean that, I mean, you're always there. So make God your source if you have a need. Personally, also, have, once I have it, and it's not just for the guy. Sometimes it's the lady that has the upper hand financially, okay? You have, make God your source. Have scriptures you are believing God for. Ultimately, everything, any money that comes your way, all those people are channels. Channels. And so your source remains God because a, a, a channel can run out and God uh, recommends another channel. So we learned that very early on. And um, secondly, also, is um, your seed. Your seeds, okay? So first is your source, your seeds. A principle we operate by in my family is the principle of sowing and reaping. I mean, we don't, we don't take that for granted at all. And we started this a long time ago. And I remember one time, and this is a story for some, some other time. I almost got married in 2018, actually. But that's a story for another time. But I remember at that time, in, getting, in uh, preparing for my uh, wedding, I decided to begin to sow into ministries. And I'm sure that's part of what I'm reaping right now, actually. Sow into ministries. Sow into people that were getting married. Sow into like three different weddings. Give them 100, 100K. Sow into different ministries for a year. Sowing. And, and then constantly. And so what we practice right now is that we always find a need every month in the house to solve. Somebody in the house, somebody in the environment, maybe. A baby. And God always brings them. Somebody in the when you, where you are working, somebody that needs help. And then Especially your church, pastor may not call for a seed, but find opportunities around you where you sow, okay? Your seeds go into your future to prepare a harvest for you. That's what seeds do. And so if you are trusting God for a financial, uh, what's it called, a financial freedom to, to get into the place where God is, I mean, the way God just helped us while we're preparing for our marriage, God, I mean, it was, <laughs> it was just miraculous, and that's why it's very important that you create um, systems and structures that allow funds to come in. Be working, also do other things. Because when we were getting ready for a wedding, I mean, it was during COVID period and a lot of things were expensive, many things. And but God gave us a particular client because I run a company and my wife is very actively involved. She's executive director. And then a client came and then a lot of money came in that period. And we're just so busy and that 
was, and that's because of the seeds. I connect everything to the seeds you've sown in the past. Because God, seeds, your seeds, like I said before, your seeds go into your future to prepare a harvest for you. So very important, your seed. Then number three is your service, okay? Where you are working, where you are working and the work of your hands. Very important that you, just, you don't take those things for granted. Like I said, my wife was very supportive. She was actively involved in my business, always promoting uh, uh, courses online, the things we're doing, doing graphic design. She served in hubs. I'm sure you know about her design skills. She was the design, even till now, even while she's studying, she posts, she's the one managing her social media pages. She's the one that does the design. So actively involved, service, because that's, you have to create avenues for God to bring in the harvest. If Peter didn't have a boat, the fish, if you don't have a net, nothing can happen. So if your job, that's good. Get a job, that's fine. And then, of course, other streams of income that can come in. Create that avenue because it's all these principles, not just in courtship. Like I said, also relevant in marriage. And then, of course, uh, two more. So your first one is what? Your what? Your source. Number two is what? Your seed. Number three is what? Your service. Number four is your savings. Okay, please start saving as well. Okay, don't spend everything. Don't lavish everything on hang on uh, parties and dates and save. Very important that you find time. I mean, you. I mean, my wife and I have been saving for so long since we started cutting. I mean, part of your own pay, bring it. Mine, I bring it, and then we will put it together. Do mutual fund. Do this one. If you know crypto well, do it. She has been trying to convince us to do crypto, but I have no idea about it. And anything I don't have an idea about, I don't go into it. And so, I mean, but the ones that I am aware of, get consultation from Pastor Yinka, get perspective from people that I know, save, and then investments too. I'm, I'm comfortable with saving because I know my money is somewhere. I know it's my child, not the one that I just, like Pastor will say, it's a volatile, you don't know what happens. MMM, come so save and then invest. Very important because you are you are because by the time you get married, there's a lot of demands. Okay, get a house, get an apartment. Of course, I decided not to get a, a car now because my wife is not here. And my house is not far from the church. It's not far from. My, I just okay. Let's just be saving the money. <laughs> it will be relevant even if, if if it's not for you. Maybe for a seed that God wants you to sow in the future. Sometimes you are saving money for the church. You don't know. <laughs> so save and invest. Okay, very important. And I mean by the time. We had saved up some amount of money, I mean, during one period, I mean, and then there was a call to sow a seed. And then we were able to sow at that time because God, we had saved it. We didn't know we weren't saving it for the seed. But when that happened, we we're just in that. It was convenient. And then, but that had been doubled and tripled after that seed. And then we are planning for a bigger one now because you have to grow in that God has said you're a giver. You have to grow in that capacity. I'm looking forward to when I'm able to sow like 10 million comfortably. That's my goal. So 20 million, comfortably. So number one is your source. Number two is your what? Your seeds, your service, and your, of course, your savings. And then your spending. Spend wisely, okay? Don't just spend anyhow. Spend prudently, okay? I mean, I remember, and especially when you're get, planning to get married. Remember, we, we, I mean, we were trying to get her a, a wedding dress. And it was going to be 650K for wedding dress. I said, no, we can't do that one. <laughs> we got to ask her. A lot of, uh, no, no, that's too much. Go and find more, go and, go and research. So we started researching. Even though I had the money to pay for it, but you have to be prudent. I could afford that at that point. But no, I said, look, there are other things you have to purchase. There are other things. And that's why we're able to get married, get all the appliances in the house, all of those things. So spend prudently, very important. Let me rest my case there. Thank you. Thank you so much. Did you notice, Pastor, please give us... As, as, it just has a way with these things. Um.
Sorry, before we move, I just want to encourage us to share these messages after service because it's really important. You don't know where you will need it. You don't know who needs it. I remember there was a point in my life many years ago, I needed an answer to a particular relationship problem I was going through. And I remembered that my brother was speaking about a particular message. And literally, the Holy Spirit just led me to that message. And I found my answer right in that message. So the answer has been thrown left, right, and center. But don't be selfish with it. Share them when you can. Praise God. So we're going to move on to a very interesting question next. Director Nonso. Um, how did you and your wife manage to stay sexually pure in your relationship? Can I take that? Okay. I got it. It's actually my wife's question. It's not mine. So I'm going to answer uh, the answer she asked me to send. So she, she apologized for not being here. Okay. So um, basically, she said how we managed to stay sexually pure in our relationship was primarily due to distance contributed very well. So I'm going to put perspective to that. So I, I was in Lagos. She was in Abuja. Um, we saw just four times before we got married. So the first time I went to see her father in Abuja, the second time introduction, the third time I went to Abuja was wedding. The Sorry, first time... Sorry, but you met before. Yes, so we, we met in NYC. She traveled, I asked her out on the phone. She gave me a response on the phone. So, let me finish now. So, so, uh, so, the first time she came to Lagos, she came to my parents' place to see my parents. And where I was staying in Oregon then, Maro still stays there. We are all boys in that house. So, anytime Ejiro comes to Lagos, she can't stay there. So, she has to go stay with my parents. And my parents stay in Ogo State. I have to go to work every day. You get and so so basically for us long distance really helped us because you actually need to be together to be tempted. You get so long distance really helped us. And uh, now somebody might say, yeah, but I'm not in a long distance relationship. Now find a way to include distance because uh, one of the guys I looked up look up to then we used to call him President Dan. So while he was cutting his babe. Anytime she comes to the house, we don't need to open the door. Dan will open the door, remove the curtain. <laughs> you get. Because it's this face, my face, you, um, one room in Lagos. So everybody passing the passage, we know two people are in the room. I, I saw wisdom in that. Yeah. I saw wisdom, wisdom in that. So, so the truth is, find a way to create distance, one. And number two, one of the things that helped me, she didn't ask me to say this one, was uh, it's in pigeon food where you go still chop? No need to the hurry. Technically, you get so so every time she's around, that one just has a way of keeping. After all, you said it's marriage, but calm down. And another thing, I do not like long courtship. Honestly, I was married in 2019 with two of us that were doing permutation. So the reason why we didn't get married in 2019 is because of masters. The masters now. Also, did not let her finish. <laughs> so, me, I did not want her to be going to school while married. So, I just felt, okay, just do so. Give or take. If you do one plus one, 
Before that 2020, you have finished the master's. <laughs> I saw I had other plans. <laughs> you, you, you get. So that was the only reason. Not because we were not ready. Start courtship in 2018. Marry in 2019. I really don't, except you don't have the means of maybe your own um, 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 situation is different. Because I just kind of feel, the longer it is, eh, the weaker my defenses. Personally, I just feel that way. Imagine I'm seeing you every day, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, and the extra Sunday after Sunday. You get, and, and we don't know when we will do this thing. And a lot of times, eh, a lot of times, I just think, sorry I'm dabbling to Pastor Peace's question. Do the wedding that, that you can afford. Because sometimes, maybe because you, are plan, you have one plan in your mind, Eh? You are now stretching it, stretching it, stretching it. Oh God, this thing is getting too long. Especially, imagine you do introduction eh, in 2014. Just imagine, and 2014, December, you have not been sure that you will do that wedding. And you are pushing it forward. And you guys are staying together. You are seeing each other. Trust me, the devil is not joking. No. You get, and that attraction is there. So my, my own point is, Gather your resources together, core family. Since you guys already have this vision, trust me, things will change. Eventually, life goes still soft. You understand? Eh? Life goes still soft. So no need to. So no need to over. Forget Bella Ninja people for now. Don't use that. Forget Bella Ninja. You get. Don't my wedding mother. If you no enter, no qualms. If you enter, fine. You get. So, 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 so that's my point. Because, trust me, because at the end of the day, when you now get married and you've done all these things, eh, you now ask yourself, even if at the end of the day God forgives you, sometimes you now ask yourself, why? Why? It really was not necessary. You understand? You know, hearing good testimonies have a way of making your message sweeter. You understand? So when somebody I say, I didn't do this, and you did it within your mind, you will not have that full confidence. Even though God has forgiven you, sometimes it's just switch you a bit, you get, you don't need all those things, so for us, long distance helped us, but if you don't have long distance, find a way to put long distance inside, thank you Thank you so much and Mr. Ejiro, we love you for the way you are listening this, to this message, thank you so much um, yes, our last question before we go to um, the Q&A session this to our senior pastor Ellie has already given us some inside gist, so we want more. <laughs> um, how, did, how did you ensure you didn't get bored of each other in your relationship before marriage? Is it Ellie again? Oh, wow. Okay. <laughs> how did you ensure you didn't get bored of each other in your relationship before marriage? Uh, okay. Um, the scripture. Where a man's treasure is, how to... So... Um, Communication, again, right? And because, I mean, where your treasure is now, it's like, uh, is it honey and, uh, no, it's not honey, no, it's sugar and, and ants. Like, if there's sugar here, it's just a couple of, it's a matter of minutes, you see ants and everything. So, yeah, that already is established. Um, distance. <laughs> distance helped in a way that so it was in Abuja, I was in, it was in Abuja, Calabar, I was in 
Oshun, Kano, Kano, Kano. <laughs> I was in Kano for over two years, and he was in Abuja and everything. So we didn't see for a long period of time. Like our relationship, our courtship was majorly distanced. Like we saw maybe like three times a year, like that. So when we now see, the energy is high. <laughs> that kind of a thing. So it really helped because we're always looking forward to seeing each other and then we know that, ah, I'll see you again very soon. And then we spend a few days and then we go back to our base. Probably I'm going back to Kano. He's going back to Abuja. One time he was in Lagos. I was still in Kano. Kano. I was still in Kano. And then later I now came back to Lagos. But it was really, the distance really helped us because we were talking every day. And then when we see each other, it was always high. So we all the hang out, we want to hang. Hang it <laughs> and then go back again. And sometimes you even travel all the way. Ah, all those long travels. I mean, when I was in Calabar, I was in Oshun. You travel all the way to Ife, come. And then one time we even had to plan to meet in his brother's house because there was no, I was in Kano, you went. So all of oh, yeah, let's meet. Abuja is the. So we, uh, yeah, middle ground. So we met, we met there again. And of course, it was, it was just really smooth with the communication, beats, and uh, distance. So it really, really helped. So we're not even getting bored because we could, oh my God, I could, I can't, ah, I love talk. <laughs> so I'll, I'll, I might even call him, like long hours conversation, like two hours, we'll just be talking, you'll be at work, me, I'm probably free. Because I was either in school, maybe I was serving or something. <laughs> <laughs> maybe I was serving him, like, because I was serving and maybe law school. It, I would just be the one going, hey, how are you? This is that, we'll talk, oh. And my body is at work, man. I'm just the. Just the <laughs> so, sometimes we're like, actually, I'm at work with that. Okay, we have to talk. And then one thing he also did was because of his schedule, sometimes we had to create a particular time because there was a time the schedules were not even allowing frequent um, conversations. So, okay, nine o'clock. I'm sure it was, I think it was when he was in Cross River when he was serving. So, nine o'clock. Some people even knew that. Ah, by nine, oh, you cannot go and meet the general secretary who oh. <laughs> wants to talk to his babe. That kind of thing. So that time again. So we're looking forward to that conversation, looking forward to that communication because we just enjoyed each other's company and everything. So it really, really helped. Yeah. Amazing. Thank you. Thank you. So so far, just like there's something about this distance. So. And I know many people that don't like distance relationships, but just like it incorporates the distance, even if you are close. Okay. For example, <laughs> this is my own example. That's why I'm coughing. <laughs> and my boyfriend stayed in the same state, but I feel like it's in that state. Because from Agege to Sankotedo. <laughs> So, you know, we incorporated distance into it. Praise God. Um, thank you so much. Please just appreciate our couples again. Thank you so, so much. So, I have some questions here. I have just a few minutes. So, um, Pastor Dami within us the honors of answering these questions. Yes. Um. <clears throat> okay. Mr. Um, Balaji, I'm sure I don't brought up this matter. So the question is saying, what if you have really generous friends? Should we turn down gifts? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> yes, you should. If the gifts are, and gestures are becoming too intense for the level of communication that you understand it to be, 
then there is no basis to collect it. Don't help them to stay generous. That's not the type of assistance they need. As a matter of fact, when you reject such gifts, it shows them something. That you're not like every other person out there who is an opportunist, who is just seeking to take advantage of their generosity. Generous people know when people are taking advantage of them. But because they are generous, they don't mind. But when they see someone who has enough thoughtfulness and virtue in themselves to reject a gift when they could have taken it and not be obligated to do anything in return, they respect that person a bit more. And that could even increase your chances of getting approached with a proposal. Do you understand? Because someone now recognizes the fact that you are not materialistic. So don't help people stay generous by collecting every... Ah, we are helping him. God sent us into your life to help you become more generous. It doesn't work that way. When you recognize that this, this gifts, these gestures, they are too intense for what I think we have together as friendship, reject it. That would be my response to that. That was a simple... Mm. I just drop it. So don't help the person. Thank you, sir. Um, so this person says, how do you know the bone? <laughs> how do you know the bone of your bone? How do you know that wow. this person is the one? But that's a very interesting question that um, needs perhaps a teaching, right? All right, because there is no one way. But I would say, love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your might and with all your strength and with all your soul, all right? That is actually one of my greatest, should I say, principles in finding the person God has called to be yours. If you don't love God, the devil has something to exploit to mislead you. He has something to exploit. When you love God with all your heart, even if you're making a wrong decision, but you really love God, God will stand between you and that yes before marriage. He will stand between it. And because you love him, you would allow him stand in front of it. But if you don't love him, you will even silence God. He's trying to tug your shoulders. This is the wrong guy. This is the wrong relationship. But because you don't love him enough, it's not enough a leverage to pull you in his direction. And so if you really love God, even when you have said yes, look at what Pastor P said. He almost got married to someone else. And in retrospect now, we can say that person would have been a wrong you know, option. But because I, I believe because he loved God, God stood between him and that decision. We are not all knowing. So we really do not know what this person may turn out to be in the next 5, 10, 15 years. This guy may look so good right now. He may look like the perfect person. Like I've prayed and I have peace. You know that emotional peace that is not coming from the spirit. The peace that comes from your emotions because you like this person. You are attracted. You are peaceful. You understand? You, are, you have the peace. But it's not the peace of God that passes all understanding. You see, because that particular peace of God that passes all understanding is a peace that is eternal. It's a peace that has seen your past, your present, and your future. And it's still peace. Do you understand? But the peace you have is an emotional peace based on history, based on antecedents, based on what you have seen. But there is a peace to look for. It's the one that passes all understanding. So sometimes you're looking at a guy who doesn't look like it with understanding. But the peace of God passes all understanding and is telling you that, you know what, in the next three years, this guy is going to be one of the greatest ministers of the gospel in the world, all right? And he's going to change the outlook of what people think about him today. I'm sure we have all learned or heard about the story of, you know, Reverend Sam and his wife and how things were like polar opposites at the time they were going to get married. But see the same union today, blessing the whole families of the world with their union, all right? So at the time, if she probably was a bit too emotional, she may have said no to Dr. Sam. 
All right? And that's where you need to just love God. If you love God with all your heart and you're praying and you sincerely follow him, he will lead you to the person he has ordained for you. He will. He will. He will. Yeah. Hallelujah. What pastor has said, it means you can just say that it's too late for me to miss it. I just have that. I just always tell myself that it's too late for me to miss it. And if you truly love God, you can equally say that it's too late. Because he will stand between what is not his and he would stand firm behind what is his. Praise God. Thank you, sir. Um, so this, there are a few questions like this. I'll just put them together. Um, where is the place of physical attraction in a relationship? For example, you love everything about this guy or lady, but he or she does not appeal to you physically. It is, is it wise to leave the relationship? Hmm. Okay. Good question. I think it's important that physical attraction is established. However, how do you establish physical attraction? You see, I think we, we overprice the idea that, you know, okay, how do I put this now? In our minds, when we think of physical attraction, we're thinking of, I see you first time, I like you. That means I find you physically attractive. But that's not always true. You may have someone in your environment, you've been seeing the person for the past six months. You really never thought the person was physically attractive until you started speaking to the person, until you started talking, until you started sharing ideas, until you started interacting with the person's mind. Then you suddenly realize that this girl is beautiful. This girl is really amazing. She's gorgeous. And, and, and I think that's the trick. Physical attraction is very, very flimsy if it's not rooted in the right ideals. The people who divorce didn't suddenly become ugly. Right? You see divorces five months down the line, nine months down the line, two years down the line. The person has not suddenly become anatomically unpleasing to the sight. They're still just as fine, perhaps even finer with more money. But now they can't bear to stay together ever. Because they put physical attraction first. I'm thinking, I'm saying rather that physical attraction is important, but it has to be rooted in the right things. Bible talks about the kind of beauty that God sees as physically attracting. He says it's the virtue of the heart, the hidden man of the heart. That is when you begin to interact with someone's mind, someone's spirit. And Pastor Peace also mentioned how that the bonding should start from the spirit. All right, so the kind of conversations you're having, the value system are gelling. So when people say they vibe with someone, most often they're not. They're just talking about physical vibe. You know, they vibe, they vibe. What is that vibe rooted in? Now, by the time you fall in love with someone's spirit man, for example, someone's mind, someone's virtue, someone's character, eventually, what age will make less physically attracting over time? The same age will make even more physically appealing over time. So it's about what you are putting first. So if you say, yes, physical attraction is so important and it has to be established. Yes, you get about first 15, 20 years of absolute physical gorgeousness. But what happens 20 years down the line, after that first 20 years, after the first 10 years, and this person is now having a bit more wrinkles, and then the children are coming, and something like your stand is now sagging, and all of those things, and then you are now getting a bit... Ah, this is not what I signed up for. Because you place physical attraction, you gave the value that it didn't deserve. It didn't deserve that level of weight. You don't put that much weight on physical attraction. It's like saying, wow, this car is the best car, and then you assume that it won't have other models in front of it. 
There will be several other models that will climb on top of that model that will make a junk out of it. Just a few years down the line. So it had better be something that is much more than just the physical attraction. It's important to establish it, but it has to be established in the right ideal. If you love this person's heart, that heart never ages in, terms, in, in the way the physical body ages. The only way it can go is upward because the person keeps looking onto Jesus. So the heart keeps getting more beautiful. The mind keeps getting more intelligent. You know, the spirit man keeps pursuing after God. Eventually, that physical attraction will so happen on you that you will really, really see that lady as the most beautiful woman in the world. All right? And I think that is when the physical attraction is really situated within the right boundaries, not just out of that context. And you're just saying, this person is so gorgeous, she's so pretty, and then you, you, you are insisting on having that beyond the other very salient elements. I hope that answers the question. That was the best. <laughs> Thank you, sir. That was, that was profound. That's... <laughs> Amazing, but I mean, see where we are now. I'm, I'm <laughs> 10 years down the line. <laughs> Thank you so much, Pastor. Um, so, this question, I think you answered this in the, li the last live question, so okay. I hope you can just touch on it a bit. Um, so, sir, in the second installment, you gave an illustration about magnets and yeah. how you can increase the God magnet by reducing sexual content. Mm. So how can we do this from a man's perspective mm. with all the ladies around us literally trying to out-naked each other? Out-naked out each other. Interesting. That's a very graphic way to put it. <laughs> okay, so where a man's treasure is, that is where his heart will be. That is a very, I think, well... A lot of things are profound in the Bible, but really, that, that principle that has upheld my life, I will say till date, right? Where a man's treasure is, that's where his heart will be. What that means is this. Hearts follow treasures and not the other way around. You know, this idea that I fell in love, it's almost as though my heart went before my treasures. So I fell in love, I couldn't help it, so I liked this person before I could think or figure out why I was liking her. Right? So my heart was the one compelling my treasures. But what the wisdom of God is saying there is that it is actually hearts that can be conditioned to follow treasures. I'm going to get to your question. So what are your treasures? Your treasures are your time, your energy, your resources, your money. Have you ever tried washing your, doing your laundry on Saturdays, right? And you didn't feel like it initially. You didn't want, your heart was not there. Right? You didn't want to wash. But then you started washing because you put your time into it. And then you started humming a song while washing. And then before you know what's going on, you're having a blast in the restroom. You're just washing and having fun. It didn't start with your heart wanting to wash. It started with you putting your treasure where you wanted your heart to eventually catch up with. What that means is this. You've been noticing the wrong people because your treasures have been going there. If your treasures begin to go in the direction of the love you want to increase in your life, which is the love for God, what I'm saying is this. Don't think you can start loving God by just, like your heart just wants to love God. Your heart is just so crazy about God. It doesn't start that way. Yes, maybe the first few months of you getting born again, you're in that euphoria, you're just excited about God. After a while, it will wane. The rest of your Christian experience is all about you putting your treasures where you want your heart to go. So you will carry your time, put it inside the Bible. 
Carry your time, put it in prayer. Carry your time, put it in the things that edify. Before you know what's going on, the things that used to appeal to your heart before will no longer be so attractive to you. Do you understand? It's like when you eat garlic so much, you begin to smell garlic, right? Because you have so inundated yourself in that atmosphere. When you receive God's word consistently, it becomes the prism through which you see people. You're no longer seeing people as girls who are trying to out-naked themselves, trying to seduce you. You are seeing them as people who probably need the gospel, people who probably need some mentoring, people who need the truth. You are not seeing them as, oh, this person is about to seduce me. Look at that, you know, son of Belial or well, daughter of Jezebel, whatever it is you want to call them, because you are still within the periphery of what can, what they can attract. Do you understand? So when you inundate yourself in God's word, your prism, the way you see life, it's going to be all different. Someone can be naked in front of you and. Of course, I'm not saying you try this in the sense that look for people that are naked and try as hard as you can not to fall, all right? But if you are so in that space, I remember sharing this, you know, I think some months ago, how that one of the teachers that I listened to said that it is impossible for him to fornicate. He said that almost with a sense of arrogance and pride. He said it is impossible. He said you can't get him to fornicate. And I was wondering, why would you say such a statement? Ah, let every man take it, though. Less defaults. Why would you make that kind of a statement? But then he explained it. He says, you cannot reverse. Or rather, I meditated on that statement, and this illustration came to mind. That you can't reverse in full speed going forward. You can't reverse. You've got to first soft pedal. You've got to slow down, then come to a halt before you can attempt to reverse. You can't be going on a high speed into God. High speed into God and then reverse into fornication in the same, you can't, it can't happen. It's not a possibility. You've got to first decelerate, then come to a total halt. Then you can then begin to backslide. It's a process. So if you are consistently invested in God, like literally your entire life is invested, all your treasures are in one basket and it's God. It's literally impossible for you to move from that moment to adultery, to fornication, and falling into temptations. From that moment, it doesn't work. Look at Samson. He backslid over a period of time. People don't backslide overnight. People don't fall into temptations and sins overnight. So when you are seeing ladies as girls who are on a parade to outnaked themselves, you being the audience that they try to tempt, that means you're already in the wrong company. Your mind space, the way you view life, the way you are seeing girls and ladies is a little tinted by your lustful desires, which is also informed by where you have been placing your attention. So you've been seeing a lot of things that get you a bit more aroused. You know, there's something called reticular activating system. That is, if you're wearing a yellow shirt, you're likely going to notice everybody wearing yellow, right? Because that is where you are. You are inside yellow. You buy a red car. All the red cars around you will never escape your vision because you will see them. So if you are actively invested in a thing, you will notice everything around you that is consistent with that thing. So you are actively invested in erotic scenes, pornographic images. You can't miss a lady that is not well-dressed. You, you will see them because you are in that space. How about you invest yourself in the things that will edify such that, yes, you may see those people, but it's not within the remote areas of your mind. You literally have to be dragged away. Do you understand? And I think that's really the key. Because if you keep depending on how the environment must condition you to stay holy, you will never be holy. You will never be holy. It's not until ladies stop dressing the way they are dressing. You can't leave your, you can't postpone your holiness to that point. 
you will never be holy. All right. So you by yourself carry your treasures, place it inside God. All right. And it makes it very difficult for the devil to take you from there. Praise God. My blood, I was just looking at you. (laughs) So good. And one other thing I do personally that's really helpful. So you know how the, the algorithm of the internet works? So things you look for, you search for, it starts to come to your feed. You know, we say that they are, they are following us. If, if I talk about like iPhone, I just start seeing iPhone on my... <laughs> but like when I'm searching for an iPhone to buy, they start targeting ads to me about it. So the kind of people you follow, they, bring, they just bring those type of people. And one beautiful thing about like handling... Um, the church page with my team is that you just see Christian content because we are looking for them. We're looking for how to do better. So we're just looking for Christian content. And then when you're just scrolling, all you see is Christian content. And so it's something I use for myself. I'm a lady, but once I see a friend or just anybody on my feed that is not dressed appropriately, I check, how do I know you? I check, okay, maybe I followed you one time. I just give you maybe one more chance. Just for, I see it again. I will follow you. You are my status. I block you. Is that serious? I don't, I don't want that in my face. I don't, because what happens is that it starts to, it starts to look normal. It's not so bad. Mm, just small. And yeah, so I, I noticed that it was already affecting me. I was starting to see it like as normal. It's just small. So now I'm, I'm very aggressive with all those things. Though. I just block. A guy that is always shirtless, not a picture of Oma, I'll follow you. <laughs> oh, Nicoba, me. <laughs> Praise God. <laughs> okay, so um, we have little time. Sorry, Pastor, but just a few more questions. Should a Christian couple have a prin... This nopta? Thank you. Yes. <laughs> Explain what prenuptial means. Pastor Mike. Sign contract. A prenup. Ron, no, you know that. <laughs> now, I wish I could talk with that, in my opinion, right? So I was in a relationship before. Mm. A long time ago. Where, you know, um, the person was requesting for this. Yeah, maybe not, of course, wasn't, that was not English person used but it was it was going to achieve the same thing which was to um, get you committed in advance I, I don't think it's best best practice all right I don't think it's best practice if why are you in a hurry to make the person commit to you before the person commits to you what's the it's almost it's 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 except I'm not wait, getting sorry, the understanding so, of what wait, prenuptial yes, means me, can someone explain to yes, me that's, so, sir, the perfect example is right. that the husband or the guy has maybe houses or cars, and then the lady also has something. Okay. Okay. And so maybe one person has much more than the other. Oh. So to prevent that merger of properties, the guy says, if we then divorce later, okay. you would not be entitled to have anything of mine. That's also wrong. Yeah. So that's that's like okay. one of the okay. yeah, yeah, there that's are other like the are, motive yes, behind such other... yes. Uh, yes. That's that's very uh, mischievous if I if I if I could use that word. Now, the reason why I think it is is because 
there is a particular revelation the Lord showed me about marriage, which I couldn't even get to in the series. But the summary of that thought is this. When a person marries another person, the two of them actually become one flesh. The two of them actually become one flesh. The Bible says that when God introduced Eve to Adam, by the way, she was not Eve before the fall. Adam called Eve, Eve after the fall. So when God called Adam in the garden, two people showed up. God never said Adam, Eve. He only said Adam. There was Adam male, Adam female. So whenever God used the word Adam in the beginning, he was not referring to Adam male. He was referring to Adam male and female. Then there was Adam man, Adam woman. Eve showed up in Genesis, Genesis 6 when Adam named Eve and said, you are Eve. But we often just call them Adam and Eve from way back. But it was just Adam in the beginning. That means both of them were literally one. Now, when God introduced the woman to Adam, male, what happened next was that Adam received the revelation and he said, this is woman because she was taken out of man. And the Bible says, for this reason, a man shall leave his father and his mother and shall cleave unto his wife. And it says, then both of them shall become one flesh, which is now the basis for nakedness, which is vulnerability, right? A lot to share there. But the point here is this. A man belongs more with his wife than he does to his parents. A woman belongs more to her husband than she does to her parents. The Bible says the reason they even leave their parents to cleave to their husbands is because they were with their husbands before they even were placed in their parents' hands. Does that make sense? She was taken out of man, placed in the hands of her parents. Then now the man has discovered the woman who was taken out of him. And, is, and the Bible is making that revelation, the justification for leaving her parents. He says, because she was taken out of man, therefore, a man shall leave his father and his mother and cleave unto his wife. Because the wife had always been part of him before she met her parents. This is revelation now. Not necessarily biological. This is how every man must see his wife. As someone that was part of me before I met her. Uh, this is why Ephesians 5 says that the way a man nourishes his own body and takes care of it, that is how a man must nourish his wife. Is there wisdom in your toe bleeding and then your heart says, free that one, that's his business. Every single red blood cell rushes to that place, vitamin K is supplied, they cover it up because if that toe continues to bleed, even that heart will stop beating. So, the sense of separation, whether of wealth or anything, is alien to this revelation. You cannot say, I earn more than you. It's insane in the context of a human body. The liver cannot be healthier than the body. The head cannot be saner than the body. So, something is wrong within you. you are, it's not your spleen that is sick. The whole body is sick. 
So the idea of I can differentiate from my wife, I can separate from my wife, and then my wealth is not her wealth, is alien. It's like saying the blood of my hand is different from the blood running through my veins in my, in my head. Do you understand? It's the exact same system and organism. Functionally different, but essentially the same. So functionally different. What we are doing is different, but we're essentially part of the same body. So the idea, the idea that, oh, um, I'm earning more than my wife is a silly idea in the context of a biological anatomy. Huh? The idea that I have more money than my wife is, is ridiculous. Because now you are one organism. A part cannot be healthier than the other. And if anything is wrong with one part, everything in the other part rushes to that place to guard, to cover, to, to shield, not to expose, as if they were separate. So when you're already planning for a possible separation, and should that separation happen, you want to ensure that you have all the wealth you gathered before you met her, so that she's not the gold digger that separates and splits your money into two. Very light, the, the likelihood that the separation will happen is very high because for you to even have such premonition before saying yes to a woman who is supposed to be part of you, but you have already separated yourself in advance, should you be separate? Eventually, you will be separate. All right? So that is a union that never happened. Amen. Let's stop there. Let's stop there. <laughs> Can Let's I just them. ask that yeah. you, know, you give us five more minutes added to the time that we have, please. Thank That's you. fine. Thank you, sir. Um, so this leads me to this question. Yeah. I like how they're just leading to each other. It says, how many times, <laughs> how many times have you thought to end it in marriage? Ooh. I'm confident. <laughs> Wait. It says, I'm confident the thought has popped up once. I'm confident the thought pops up once in a while. Okay, okay. So, yeah, of course. I, I get what the person is saying. You know, sometimes you just feel like, who, who's come to me to this thing? You know, uh, but it's not a thought you want to even acknowledge or... It's not even something you want to entertain, acknowledge, or allow fester in your mind to a point where you can remember when you thought of it. Like... You may be frustrated in marriage. You may feel like, ah, I'm not getting it right. But the thought of leaving should not even come close. Do you understand? It shouldn't come close because you are one. It's like severing a part of your body from your body. Do you understand? It's, it's not something anyone should look forward to. Do you see? This is why God said he hates divorce. And one of the biggest evidences of union is a child. You know, I say this with every sense of awe and reverence. You can divorce and then you say what used to be one is no longer one, right? But the child that the one of you produced cannot undo himself, cannot undo herself. So nobody really gets divorced because they call it separation. Separation has the assumption that the things were designed with separation in mind. It's like Lego boxes. You only tear apart. You can't really separate nice and clean. So take your own. It doesn't work because you can't split a child into two and divide them into half. Say so take your own. It doesn't work. In the same vein, you can't really. You only tear apart. And so um, in that context, we should 
come into a marriage situation with that understanding of the eternal nature of its union. Do you understand? Not with a sense of, okay, this could work, this may not work. If it does not work, let me create clauses that protect my interest. I've already separated yourself. So um, don't even think of it. Don't even entertain it. All right? Kenneth Hagin used to say that you may not be able to stop birds from flying over your head, but you can avoid from them nesting on your head. So ensure you don't allow such thoughts. Yes, they may cross your mind because you're human. But don't allow, don't even give them any chance. Some people even do more than give them, you know, thoughts and they verbalize it, which can be very destructive. I shouldn't have married you. That's, that's, that's not something anybody deserves to hear. I, I would not have married you if I, like, what do you want to say? You have married me. What, what, what do you mean by that? You know, so you don't even want to go down that lane. You really don't want to. So as Often as it comes, rebuke it with God's word. Put your treasure in that woman. The challenge is that we've not learned to put our treasure where it really belongs. That's the real challenge. Say, I don't find her attractive. No, you can make her attractive. You are married. You nourish her. You protect her. You give to her. You give, invest yourself into that person. Your heart will follow it. The challenge is that we are expecting to be loved. So... You know, there's a lot to say, but I, I think that's, that's just what I would, where I would like to stop. Praise God. Thank you so much, Amen. sir. I just have two more questions. And we'll be two done. more questions. Okay. Well, I'm not sure I completely understand this question, but I'll try. Okay. Um, um, Director Nonso wants to just add something hmm. to what I just shared. Zuzu. Hallelujah. Can, okay. So that question, did you think of ending it? Like Pastor said, don't, don't entertain it. So there was one day I was lying down in the sitting room. And that's why you should be very sensitive. And this thing will boil down to prayer. Then the devil came, came with that thought. Then automatically, this was what God said to me. And the first person I shared it with was my wife. God said to me, because things are rough now, you want to be thinking spoiled. Huh? But you will be more grateful for your wife 10 years down the line from that date. He said, 10 years down the line from that date, you will tell me thank you for Ichiro. Like God put it that graphic vividly. He said, you, you, you thought you made this choice on your own. That was what he was telling me. You thought you made this choice on your own. You thought you saw one girl in Calabar. You did not see one girl. It was divinely arranged. You understand? And, and that's why I will always say to everyone, prayer is not something you do in your pastime. Like, you know, because they say speak in tongues, you already have some set of tongues you already used to. You just start blobbing it. No, no, no. Prayer is not an event we do in our pastime. Prayer is something you are deliberate about. Because every time you are praying, you are talking, no? And that person you are talking to, he hears. And as a response, he's telling you things in return. And every time God speaks to you, God is giving you weapons that are tailored to your context. So many times when the devil comes with these contrary thoughts, what God is telling you is to use those weapons in your arsenal to combat it. So when you were praying for marriage, somebody thinking I will end it, when you were praying for marriage, what were you telling God and what was he telling you? That all of a sudden today you thought you can end it. So for you to think that is either you are saying God is lying or your Christian journey has been a fraud. So that's it. So if you are a prayerful person, that thought is a my mind thought. You just... You just use one of those many weapons to tackle it. You say nothing is stronger than God's word.
was a very great contribution. Thank you, sir. Um, the question is, is agape love or true love real? Agape love is true love. Mm. Abina. And they are real. <laughs> you know, I think maybe Nollywood has done a lot of injustice to how a lot of us perceive love. So when we hear true love, we, we, we think of it as the unreal love that is so scarce and it's a once-in-a-lifetime type of love. People just get pedestrian love most of the time, you know, but this one is true love, you know, the real deal and all. But only God can teach you how to love and nothing can be truer than agape love. So the person may even need to shed more light as to what the person really means when it comes to because. That agape in that person's question may be very different from the true love in the person's question as well. The person's true love, quote and unquote, may be referring to the love a man shares with his wife, which must be sponsored by agape, but slightly different from the love you share with another person, which you can also have agape with another person. Do you understand? So it's a bit of a mixture. So if you need clarity, you may need to speak with any of the pastors after service. Thank you. Thank you, yeah. sir. Um, so last question. How do you deal with family pressure or influence? E.g., you know this person is wrong for you, but your parents insist they are right for you. Bear in mind that you have to honor your parents. You don't have to honor your parents in such matters, in that context, all right, in that way. You don't have to honor your, your parents with enslavement. <laughs> I love you, so let me go into this prison with someone you think was good for me, even when I didn't choose that person. That's how you validate people's, you know, you, that's how you validate your honor, your love for your parents. And I know some of our parents manipulate their children to, you know, agree with their own opinion. And they use the word love and honor just to manipulate a response from you. No better than that. All right? Don't allow yourself to be manipulated in such a context. A parent that truly loves you, and I also understand that a lot of parents who really love their children don't know better. So sometimes they use whatever they can grab to just make a point. And sometimes it's just blackmail. Well, what this means is that you need to know what God has told you. You've got to be strong in your own convictions. You've got to be strong about what you believe. And you've got to make it very clear before you get married. The challenge is that some people have never resisted their parents' opinions in their lives. Then they come to a place of marriage and they want to say no to their parents. It's extremely difficult. Every time, they say don't go to that church, you, 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 you don't go there. You know this is the church you're supposed to be going to. But they stand on your neck and they say no, this is the church, our fathers, our traditions, we have to stay in this church. And then you allow it. They say don't go to that, don't read this. Every single time you had something that you believed was the right thing for your life to do, and you made it clear to them, and they resisted it, you just shut down that thing that God was telling you to do. And you followed them like that consistently over the last 25, 26 years. Now you bring the person you want to marry to, to them. And they say... It is not this person. It is this other person. It's extremely difficult to say no to them at that stage. Extremely difficult. You don't learn those things overnight. You've got, to be, you've got to grow in the Lord. You've got to make God the overriding authority in your life at some point. Get out of your father's house like we've been learning. All right? Get out of your kindred. And sometimes it's not necessarily physically. It is emotionally. It is materially. It's psychologically. It's spiritually. 
That means you start making your decisions and then you let them know the decisions you have made in advance. Not out of dishonor, but actually out of honor. So you make a decision and let them know that actually I've made this decision. I just wanted to let you know. They're a bit taken aback. Like, you didn't tell us. And that's what I'm telling you now. And they, that just gives them that impression that this person is growing. This person is becoming a man. And then it's difficult for them to intrude at that point because you've made the decision already. And you need to start practicing such things, whether it's about a job, where you stay, how you live, you know. And that also means that at some point you have to get materially independent from them. So your parents may be very rich and very affluent. If you do not decide to be broke deliberately so that you can think with your head and make your own money, so that you can be separate from their loins materially, you can't now come and bring a man and you expect them to just agree. Do you understand? Or, you know, they bring a man and you don't agree. It doesn't work that way. So you've got to start declaring your independence at some level. Then by the time you want to insist on what God has told you about a person or otherwise, they have no choice than to understand that this person has become a man or a woman of her own self. And she, she can now be dictated to by us. Because it's a difficult winning process. Winning a, a, a parent from their child. It's a difficult process. And many parents don't allow it to happen, you know, by itself. Usually it takes the child's growth to decide that, you know what, it's time for me to depart from my father's house. Of course, you still honor them. You don't disrespect them. You don't insult them. You don't say, you don't know what you're doing. You guys are fools. You don't, you don't, you're not derogatory. You still honor them, but you make them understand that this decision is mine to make. I can't honor you with enslavement in marriage. That, that, that's not honor. All right, I can't now say because I want to honor you, I do what violates my own conscience. All right, so it's, it's growth. It's growth you need. So whatever your parents say, insist on what God has told you, stay on it for as long as you need to and pray that they will come around. We've seen it several situations like that. You take a lady to your parents and you say, this is the woman and they don't want, they don't want. You guys keep praying about it, but you insist that your conviction is strong and you ensure that you pray it through. And hope for the best that they will come around at some point. And if they don't come around, don't change your ground. Don't change your ground. Seek for more wisdom. And God will lead you through that process. Amen. I just want us to bow our heads um, for like a minute or two. And just think about the words that we've heard. And really just get like action points from the Holy Spirit. On the things that we've heard. Many of us are asked questions and we've gotten answers. The Holy Spirit, how do I move from here? Give me the wisdom. For many of us, during this week, our friends will ask us questions that have been asked now. But I give me the wisdom to answer. Let's just pray for all the couples represented here that God will continue to make their marriage, you know, a vocal point of his love. That they will continue to grow in love, grow in wisdom. You know, because of their growth, we can learn from them. So let's just pray for them that their marriage is blessed. Their, their, their fruits are blessed. Aliyah Masat Hiyabala.
And lastly, let's just pray for every single member of the tribe, you know, that is still going to decide on the bone of their bones or some that are in the process of making that decision, that they are led by God, they are led with wisdom, they are led with the word, they subject themselves to mentors, they do not make mistakes, you know, that it is too, it is too late for them to miss it. That this tribe would, you know, birth beautiful marriages, kingdom marriages. Pray for yourself, pray for your friends, pray for every single tribesman. For in Jesus' name we have prayed. Father, we thank you for today. We thank you for the bomb Thank you because it was beautiful. Thank you because it was so instructive and there was so much wisdom flying around. Thank you, Jesus, because seeds have been planted in our hearts today and they would grow in the name of Jesus. Father, this message will go beyond the walls of this tribe. It will go into hearts that need answers in the name of Jesus. Father, we pray for the couples represented here. Thank you because their marriage is blessed. They will continue to see fruits, fruits of this union in the name of Jesus. Pray for every single member of this tribe that no one will miss it in marriage. We will build kingdom marriages. We will build, we will grow godly children in the name of Jesus. People would see or see our marriages and they will be so thankful to God and we will be vocal points that people can say, because God did it for this person, I know that he can do it for me. And I know that God is going to do such a great thing in the tribe with our families, with the families that we we'll produce, with the people that we will marry. Thank you, Father, because you are a God that stands by your word. Thank you, Jesus. For in Jesus' name we have prayed. If you don't mind, let's just give a standing ovation. Wow, what a word. For more messages, connect with our tribesmen across all social media platforms at Powerpoint Tribe.